If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The time to be just friends. It's never safe for us, not even in the evening, cause I've been drinking. Nine in the morning, where your shit works. It's always dangerous when everybody's sleeping. And I've been thinking, can we be alone? Can we be alone? When will we get the time to be? Just friends. When will we get the time to be just friends? Just friends. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. Sing. You know. I mean, I just got a little mood. I was gonna say a little mood. (laughs) Just a little mood. Mood. A little mood. (laughs) Praise the Lord, niggas. Praise the Lord. Niggas, God bless you all. How are you, sis? Oh, I am ever present and ever grateful to be, be present. Ever present, yes, <laughs> ever present. I don't even know what that really means. I'm being real honest with you. <laughs> You're not ever present, but you are present in this present. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? I'm ever present. Hold on, let me like look somebody who mean? is always everywhere. Like God is ever present, but. <laughs> Oh, nigga, I'm ever present because I be hot, niggas. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Woo, I love it. I be hot, niggas, in their dreams. Boogie 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 boogie. Be present and be, be grateful, okay? I'm grateful that I'm present. <laughs> How are you? I too am, am grateful to be present. Uh, yeah. And I'm doing all right. I'm safe. I have what I need. I have to say that this Monday was a particularly Monday sort of Monday oh, for me. I know. It was a very Monday of I felt like I just couldn't get right. I've been dealing with some insomnia in my life. I'm not really sure what's mm. going on. Um, so, like, last night I was just up, like, what's given? What's, what does it all mean, Lord? Uh, and I then, need to under, you know, my arms be going numb when I'm sleeping. What? Yeah, like every night, I'm just flip flopping like, like a fish. On them? 
Probably, but I'm trying not to. And then maybe I end up in that position. Yeah. And then I like wake up because my hands numb and my arms numb. And then I switch to the other side. And it just continues to go like that. It's not good. Mm. What do I need? I don't know. We need to figure that out. Hmm. I feel like I have dealt with like, you know, uh, sort of the numbness when I'm sleeping on a particular side. Yeah. I have dealt with that. Because I'm sure. a side sleeper. Well, if you're not a doctor, I make sure you don't more. write it and tell me what's or what's wrong with me. <laughs> but if you are, <laughs> I think I'm a side sleeper for sure. I definitely I'm def- I'm not a stomach sleeper anymore. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. And I'm definitely not a back sleeper because this butt does not allow me to be. I have to be. If I fall asleep on my back, then you know that I am tired dead to the world nigga. um dead to the world i have fallen asleep on my st- i am a some sort of a stomach side sort of in between those two but you know one thing that i i have done or that i do rather um that i feel like the older i get i do it more um when i was younger my mom used to tell me that i've always like self-soothed Mm. And I like rock myself. Oh, I thought we were gonna say you like masturbate yourself to sleep or something. Oh well, no, 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 not, <laughs> not quite. Um, <laughs> no. Sometimes I just say stuff to see Kia's reaction. <laughs> I sort of rock. I rock. <laughs> and people who have slept with me are like, "Are you moving? Oh yeah, are you, you do shaking? rock. I rock. Yeah, I like rock. I rock myself. Oh, you must have rock got rocked a lot as a baby." I think I rocked myself a lot. <laughs> I think, you know, and I think, and you know, I don't know. She probably would be mad too. Uh, or maybe you didn't get rocked at all. I was about to say, I think that's what it was. Cause my mama was very mm. much like, I'm not holding that baby girl. Put her down. <laughs> She's like, girl, you are seven months. You can walk. Like, what? <laughs> you have whole six months. You, you better figure it out. You were born 24 inches for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> what you think I'm finna do? Hold the baby? I'm not finna hold the baby. You think finna ha- cause I had a baby, I'm finna just hold the baby all the time? <laughs> so I just totally feel like I was eight months just in the in the crib trying to figure it out myself. Like oh God. <laughs> Kia was that baby in the walker with their little legs just be Legit. dragging, but they figure out a way to move. Just like <laughs> self-sufficient just surviving <laughs> over here you know oh my god you were matilda making Was. cheerios pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> i could totally i got see. it from the library my mom is totally <laughs> like that mom like what you think i'm gonna do just hold the baby all the time what i don't have that kind of time what do you think i'm gonna do oh I'm not my god hold the baby you think i'm gonna hold the baby all day Ooh. put that baby down i don't mean to laugh very hard at your trauma <laughs> all the time i say put that baby down she is six months just... <laughs> <laughs> but they still breastfeed long that's the crazy part my mama did they not nurse me long oh really nope oh no nah. my mother was like i had to get you off my fucking titties no, my you. mama didn't like... nurse me mm. well, there ain't nothing wrong with that she was like no i'm good she'd be all right <laughs> These titties are mine. Mm-mm. You already took my body for long enough. I'm exactly. not giving you anymore. Like, Did she nurse either one of y'all where is or the no? Formula? No, she didn't nurse. She, she didn't nurse Brian either. Mm-mm. But when Brian mm-hmm. was kind of sickly. He was in the hospital for a while, so she couldn't nurse him. Okay, but she just my mom was like, I tried. It hurt. <laughs> where the bottles? 
That's what she was. It hurt. I had to nurse Noah for the first time in the NICU. I had to, because remember, she was in the Mm -hmm. NICU for like four days or something like four or five days. She was in the NICU. So I had to nurse her for the first time down. That was all our first experience was down there with all them stranger babies. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when uh, when Keisha had Molly, I was in a hospital and like, you know, the nurses coming in to help her like figure that out. And I was like, this is intense. Let me tell you something. So when I went in, there was no rooms, not none. They said, you might have to give birth in triage. And I was like, you're a motherfucking lie. So they finally found a room for me. Yeah. I went, you know, I was in labor forever, finally had her. And then afterwards, they were like, there's no private room. So I was going to have to share with another mother. And I was like, ah. So my mom was like, well, can we pay for a private room? Like, what's up? They were like, no, there's none available. All I know is they came back up to that room, to my delivery room, and they was like, so you're getting a private room. So I was like, because my mother, queen, queen of getting she whatever she needs. So she comes like, in the room. I said, what things, did you do? Okay. About <laughs> said, who's not going to be sharing a room in this oh, hospital. No. It was worse than that. <laughs> I said, what'd you do? She said, I let the man touch my knee, Jade. And I was like, Ma! <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> And not, I said, Ma, and she was like, did you want a private room or not? not? a little something strange. Wait a minute. <laughs> For a piece of room. <laughs> not a little something strange. She did. She said, I let the man touch my knee. Tristan was like, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, Ma. She's like, I didn't do nothing else. She's like, I told your back. father. She's <laughs> like, whatever it is, I got to get my child a private room. <laughs> That is hilarious. Now, Rhonda would have been down there threatening litigation. You're going to get a room and you're going to get one now. That would have been her next move after she let the man touch her knee, but not in that way. That came out very bad. (laughs) That came out out very wrong. (laughs) My mom's so caring. But, yeah, no, it would have been a threat. She wouldn't have threatened and said nothing about the man touching her knee. She just would have gone. She was like, okay, it's time to take different measures. That's crazy. Yeah, she crazy. My mom got me that. backstage at a genuine concert. This, like, these are the stories that we need. Like she did. I was we so my parents. Oh, I'll, they told us. They told us we was taking. They was taking us to the ballet. You know, because we <laughs> was course. niggas. But they was like, we gonna make sure y'all are some culture niggas. So they was like, we going to the ballet. We said, okay. So they was like, you know, get dressed and make sure you look nice because we gonna go to dinner. And we was like, all right, you know, so. And I've never, I had on a satin, satin, like fuchsia button up, you know, Go because ahead these and are be the dressed. times. It's like, ni- it was like 98, it was like 1998, 97. And so I had on this satin fuchsia shirt, button up. Okay. I had on my leather jacket and some black pants, and, you know, my cute little shoes or whatever. And so we driving, driving. We like, where are we going? We're in the city trying to figure it out. To the ballet. We pull into the parking garage, you know, whatever. We walk in. We go into this place, but we just walking down hallways. So, you you know, I don't know. But we're like, this doesn't look like a ballet. Well, my parents surprised us and took us to the ladies' night out tour. Oh. And it was with Donnell Jones, go Genuine, Casey and JoJo, and Ideal. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mother talked, talked us backstage. And this is when... Um, Latoya Luckett was dating old boy from uh from Jagged Edge. One of the twins. One of the twins. Okay. Cause she was backstage and we were talking with her. 
and it was just it was so random and so i was like how did you get us back here ma she was like don't worry about it (laughs) then she gets in the room with genuine and she goes can i just tell you above anything else before my daughters get to standing or whatever word was standing at the time she was like you are very filthy (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny and he was like, I'm sorry, mama. And then, you know, he was looking at her because my mom was a fine piece. I also have to tell you about the time, but I'll save this for another show. Come we on, have to be, be a piece. I have to tell you about the time Terrence Howard tried to holler at my mother. But anyway, so. Speaking of, um, it's now the time I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> I think so. And I'd like to start it off and then Kia can pick it up. Okay. So I used to work at a jazz club in Columbus <laughs> Circle in the city. <laughs> as a bartendress for years so one night Kia's in town I don't remember why no, I lived was there. it work no I lived you there. lived here at the time this was this, yes, you this was before I moved this oh, I thought you not... were visiting Mm-mm. well for whatever reason she was in the city yeah. or close to my job you I... hit me up and said you was close to my job yes oh yes 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 because I had yes I had yes. Met, yes I went to dinner in the area or I so I'm met, like, all right, come upstairs and drink for someone. free. Yeah. Something. But I said, come upstairs, drink for free. If you stay long, I'll get you food. Like, whatever. Just come chill with me at the bar. Yeah. So Kia comes into the bar, and we chilling, chilling, chilling. She's drinking. I'm working. We kiki. And Lawrence Fishburne comes in. He comes and sits at the end of the bar. Now, Kia, of course, is like, is that Lawrence Fishburne? Had, and I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. He, he come in here all the time. I had hair. <laughs> I, knew, I had hair. You had hair. Mm-hmm. So he, so I'm like, yeah, he in here all the time. And she, you were like, what? That's so random. I was like, Lawrence Fishburne and Courtney B. Vance be at the bar all the time. Like, I don't know. They just be in here. And Lawrence Fishburne always came in with his own bottle of wine. He was a little bit musty. If you all are related to him and you tell him, it's fine. I'll have a conversation with him about it's it. It's a bit but of an he, But it wasn't like he didn't bathe. It's it was like offensive. more so like he musk. might use natural deodorant. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. It was like a natural musk, but like slight must. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he coming with his own bottle of wine. It was after, I don't know, his sixth or seventh time at the club where I was like, bro, you going to keep coming in here with this bottle of wine knowing that this is my job? And so we would kiki. He liked that. Whatever. We would we would chat. So this particular night, Kia comes into the club and, and, and Larry walks in and she's like, that is Lawrence Fishburne. I was like, oh, yeah, girl, he be in here. So I'm moving around the bar and all of a sudden I hear Jade. And Morpheus calls me down to the end of the bar. <laughs> And he's like, who's your friend? And I was like, oh, that's my sis. She's a doctor. <laughs> no, this was before. No, it wasn't. I, or maybe you were in school to be a doctor. Maybe you school. were working on your I dissertation. Was working on. But regardless, you, the, the doc, that's why I feel like you was visiting sister. When did, what year did you move to Maryland? 2012. So you were definitely visiting. Okay. So I thought I Because I worked there. at Dizzy's after I had Noah. Like, remember, I worked there six weeks after I had okay. Noah. Okay. So you were visiting. Okay. So you had to be here for some... Yeah, I don't know some what I was here for then. ...work something there or something. But anyway, he's like, that's your friend. I said, yes, it is. I said, she's a doctor. I was like, yes, she is. She changes policies for black children. Yes. <laughs> Y'all know I've been going off. I and mean, yes, I did it to Lawrence Fishburne as well. It's okay. So then I go back. I'm working a little bit more. Sweet Lord. And he beckons for Kia to come down to him. And I was giving. Not but like he was like, will you come sit with me? And I was like. So she goes and passes me a note. I'm like, yo, (laughs) what's happening? 
I wrote on a napkin like S O S. What the hell is going on in here? Like, I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, just go sit with him. I was like, fuck it, we ball. Like, what? <laughs> like, well, go sit with Morpheus and go figure out what we doing. Bitch, we got bills to pay. Whole time, I'm Googling him. I see that at this time he is still very much married. And uh, yes. I'm just like, so what's going on here? Like, how can I help you? <laughs> like, what do you need? And he proceeds to tell her. He keeps talking. He talked. He chatted, 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 <laughs> chatted, chatted. He was very, very verbose. <laughs> and it was all, he was like, you remind me. He was giving us all the Morpheus voice. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> you know, in the 70s, I spent a lot of time in Harlem and <laughs> I dated a young woman. And I just say that you're just, she was a model, I believe, but there's such a striking resemblance. That woman might have been your mother. It's not. That's it's not. not. <laughs> Well, somebody on Twitter said that they could have envisioned you and Mr. Larry in twin matching brown leather jackets, but you fucked the bag. Fucked up the bag. You fumbled it. I didn't fumble nothing. He was married to Gina Torres. He tumbled it. Married to Gina Torres, (laughs) and this was round about the time when his daughter. Uh, oh yes went viral and i was just looking at him like you have bigger fish to fry sir (laughs) you don't have time to be sitting here talking to me that's why he'd be up in there with that bottle of wine (laughs) but yeah he was talking he was talking oh she studied it was a young lady that studied at i don't remember where she was she was a student i think she went to barnard Oh, and she worked in Harlem. She was studying journalism. And when I tell you all, I laughed. I mean, Jay was, I mean, inconsolable. I, every, I go, I would, I would just pass and laugh. I would go and make drinks. I'd still be laughing. <laughs> I mean, he was very kind, very nice. He was yeah. not, uh, yes. yeah, it was, it was, he's I respectful. Did, yes. I never felt uncomfortable, but it was very much given like, what do you want? <laughs> but, uh, you know. I want to have a conversation with you because you remind just, me of I somebody just, from my days He just of wanted to talk. I just felt like he needed an yeah. audience. He needed me to sit there and nod my head. And I was Because he never got that. one from me. Because I was just like, <laughs> I would okay. just go in there and fuss about him bringing his own wine like, into okay. my bar. Okay. Okay, yeah. It was like, he would ask a question, but like then, like, you know, I would start to answer and then the story would, would remind him of something else and then we'd be off into that place. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good night. I tell you I all remember, when I tell you I, it was pure entertainment. For and me. I think because I, I remember, I think I I stayed there with you until you left, and I remember driving mm-hmm. you home. I think I went to Brooklyn with you. Yes, that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, you did. You brought me home. Mm-hmm. You and stayed was, the whole night. Usually, I when did. my friends came to the bar, they stayed all night. I fed them, and I was like, I liquored them up, but not drunk son, because and, Keen and drove Jay me home. Was like Jay was like. Look, one day you'll be able to tell your kids that Morpheus. <laughs> I mean, how many people can say that Morpheus? I'm just saying, nigga, school days, nigga, I Morpheus, nigga, here, like <laughs> the grandpa from Blackish. There's so much <laughs> happening right now. That also reminds me of a time. So, I mean, this always happens. Like, I have, I have been, I have um, met several black male celebrities in the city just out and about and they all are married mm-hmm. and they all be like I remember one time remember I told you I was going to the I had I was taking a bunch of students I was working um, Mercy College I think at this time and we took a group of students to a Knicks game 
and Mike Epps came he oh, came up to me Lord. when I was walking across the street. Now that morning I had listened to him on Wendy Williams on the radio talking about his wife. <laughs> and so I was oh, no. sitting there. Oh no. I was sitting there looking at my I was like, can I help you? He was like, <laughs> he said, like, you about to go to the game? Me too. He was like, what you doing after? And he was like, he said, can I take you home? And at the, I, this time I was like, I live way in Westchester. Like, you're not trying to take me home. Yes, I do. Yes, I will. What you mean? And I was just like, oh well, how, my God. How I'm just finna go home with you? He was like, I'm a kill. I'm not a killer. I'm a comedian. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to make you laugh. I was like, Mike, enjoy the game, sir. It's been a pleasure you know to meet you. Because when comedians be, so for a period of time, this is so random. <laughs> he didn't try to holler at me. I was friends with Arnaz J. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I tell you I was I friends Arnaz with Arnaz J. J. Let me tell you how I met Arnest J. I know this don't have Perfect. nothing to do with the show. Perfect. What a good so story. I'm on. I'm in Atlanta visiting my cousin, and mm-hmm. I'm on the train going to baggage claim. And <laughs> this nigga just starts talking to me. He's That's cracking jokes. He's happen. funny as shit. Right. He just starts talking to me, and so I was like, "Yo, you look wild, familiar." <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> I was like, man, where do I know this nigga from? And I kept saying, where I know you from, nigga? I don't know. I can't. I can't pin it. So. We end up, what you doing in Atlanta? Maybe he was trying to holler. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I have to say he never outwardly tried to. What you doing in Atlanta? I'm like kicking it with my cousin, visiting my cousin. He's like, okay. He's like, let's all go get something to eat. Right. We exchanged numbers. When I tell you we kept in touch for years, every time <laughs> he would so come good. in town, we go eat. We go to brunch. I got pictures at brunch with Ernest J. <laughs> that is such a niggery story. It was so random. That's and then nigger nostalgia I don't for mem- us. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I don't even know how we, like, I think we just, you know, communication kind of falls off from people. Is he still around? Anybody did a wellness check on Arnest J? We should do a wellness check on Arnest J. And I ran into him again because we had lost touch. And then I went to one of his shows with one of my homegirls. And afterwards, I went up to him. My arm was broken because I had broken it in a a corporate game of baseball. (laughs) And... I was like, yo, can you sign my cast, nigga? And he was like, yo, cast? And he looks at the cast and he looked up and he was like, oh! <laughs> and then we went to eat, me, him, and my homegirl, Yolanda. And then, I don't know, we lost touch again. But yes, that was back in my heyday. I used to kick it with Arnest J. That was my homeboy. Oh, that's such a good story. That was my homeboy. But anyway, we should probably dis- <laughs> probably continue on with the show. Yeah, let's do it. Shall we dig into this track? Did, we, did I ask you how you were? Yes, I said that I was safe okay. and I have what I need. All is well. Okay, amazing. Amazing. All, All right, well, let's do trash then, nigga. Let's do trash. A clean up woman is a woman. All right. All right. Yes. Um, it's time for the basura. Uh, and... Uh, I'm I'm not here to go into the story because I'm hoping that you all have read it by now and have become aware. Um, but I just wanted to send love to the family of Lauren Smith's Fields, which is such a very sad story. Uh, a young girl, black black woman in Connecticut, um, who died in her apartment and was on a date, and the white man has not been questioned. So. Um, she in went a proper on a date investigation. with an older white man. With an older white man, and and, um, and passed away. And there's been no investigation into the nature mm-mm. of her uh, demise. Yeah, 
And so, you know, the family, instead of the family um, having the opportunity to mourn their loved one, they're now having to seek justice and and get just due around her death, Uh, which is, you know, really, really hard for a family when you're dealing with you're already dealing with the loss of a loved one. So we just um, wanted to bring a little bit more awareness to this story. you know, we because of all of the awareness that's brought to other stories, you all know what I'm talking about. So we wanted to bring awareness. Um, and, you know, I know there's pressure on the uh, I th- was it, I don't know if it was Bridgeport. Was it Bridgeport? I can't remember. But I know there's pressure on the police department's head to get this right. They, they got rid of the detective who was originally on the case and was, you know, delivered the news very disgustingly. Um, and so we just, you know, pray for the peace and the love of the family as they deal with such a difficult situation. For sure. Um, in delightful news, Rihanna is pregnant. She is. She is, or delightful to some, to them, to yes, to Rihanna. <laughs> uh, she is pregnant and you know, that's a grown woman. If she's happy, I'm happy. Same. So congratulations to her and baby mama, ASAP Rocky, hmm. because y'all know baby, ASAP Rocky looks like a baby mama. Baby ASAP Rocky. Remember that meme. So we're not gonna go into the in depth in depths because we did that already on the Patreon. If you're not a subscriber, you need to already get with the winning team. We went into an in depth discussion of the Janet Jackson documentary oh, yes, we did. that came on this past weekend on Lifetime on the Lifetime Network. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just thought, I just wanted to know if you had any truncated feelings you wanted to share publicly <laughs> in order for people to direct them well, with yes, their think, ways over to the Patreon. We get into the details of the documentary on Patreon, but I think all in all, I enjoyed, um, you know, this, personal account from Janet Jackson herself about various details of her personal life. Um, yes. I've been seeing, interestingly, I've been seeing a lot of, you know, mixed reviews. There's some people who thought it was amazing. Other people felt like it was not like, you know, we didn't get a lot of new information. It was all, you know, Janet either confirming or denying things that were already in the rumor mill mill. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like that that's fair. But either way, I felt like it was very well done. I enjoyed the walk down memory lane. And I felt like it was a great kickoff to Black History Month for the rest of the year season. Um, mm-hmm. And just a, just an overall celebration of Black culture, um, Black talent, Black excellence. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a really good time for me. What about you? Oh, you already know it was a good time for your girl. I, you know, and I understand people saying that there wasn't new information. There wasn't. But I do think that there's something to be said about somebody taking um, complete control around the narrative of the of who Telling they are, their story, story. Yes, especially when things have been floating around for decades. For sure. Decades this lady's decades. been around, okay? Give her the flowers. So, you know, even if we look, I know we learned new things in the Tina Turner documentary, but there was also things that we knew, but it was her taking control of her own narrative. And so I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, And maybe there's certain things that us niggas are not entitled to. 
fair, <laughs> which I feel like is what I I walked away with. Like, you know, having a lot of respect for the things that Janet holds close to her chest and um, absolutely also respecting her humanity and her right to privacy and her absolutely. right to disclose things in the way and in the timing that she wants to. Um, absolutely. And so I, I do feel like, you know, they were little nuggets, little drops of things. Um, and I mean, of course what I, like I said on, on the video that we did, like we've known things about Janet, but we haven't heard from Janet. Like, you know, there's right. been rumors there's been accusations. There's been allegations mm-hmm. of all kinds. Mm-hmm. But this was a time where Janet sat in the seat and was asked the questions. And she chose to answer yep. them how she wanted to. And I I, mm-hmm. I feel like you got to respect that. You got to respect that. And so I enjoyed Absolutely. it. I mean, Janet still looks amazing. It's wonderful. I'm inspired to drink my water and take good care of myself. Because, you know, I, I hope and I hope that I can still hold on to you know the the physical goodness of of <laughs> you know there's just this, yes it's just this janet is unreasonably pretty so i don't i don't imagine that <laughs> i think there's a just she's has always she's got a head a start beauty. you know what i'm saying but um i i just hope that i think things will continue to be held together and tight and right and at 53 that would bless me well sister if they can't be you can always pay for them to get done <laughs> Amen. that's why i be on that peloton every day but um you do I i'm do. triggered by the peloton now though after we watched that sex in the city but anyway <laughs> don't um, do that it was fiction <laughs> um <laughs> i know but i just it just now is forever <laughs> <laughs> it's forever ingrained in my mind um the next bit of trash is sad it's, Very. A, it's sad uh chelsea christ chesley um, who was chesley i'm so sorry mm-hmm. i am so sorry chesley christ uh miss usa 2019 um has passed away she was 30 years old and um she was uh she was crowned miss usa 2019 she held the crown for a very extended period of time due to COVID, COVID, but for one of the longest periods of time. And she was also a correspondent for E. Extra. Um, she, uh, for Yeah. So she fell from her high rise. Um, Apartment in New York City. Which is just devastating. And I wanted to, I know there's going to be many people who talk about this story and I don't want to go too into the actual story, but I just wanted it to have some light on it so that if you're listening to this and you are not in a place where you feel okay, please, please, please reach out to somebody, please. Um, please. And we just, and also be kind to one another because you don't know what people are dealing with, uh, internally. You don't know what's going on outside of what you see. And so, you know, it's just a reminder to be kind and also, for those who are who are suffering in silence, uh, that you you have some place to go and you've got people who love you so. And if you don't have anywhere else to call, there's many hotlines. But if you don't have anywhere else to call, you can always reach out to Getting Grown. We sure. will never never ignore uh, a message like that. So that was a sad story, and we just want to give immense love to the family of Chesley. Absolutely. Um, during this time, um. Melissa Elliott, 
our fave, of course, one of our extreme faves, has hit a very giant milestone. Yes, she has. All six of her albums are now certified platinum yes, or indeed. higher, which is the most among any female rapper. And when I tell you she deserves every single rose, lily, tulip, baby breath, hydrangea, (laughs) bird of paradise, give her every flower in the shop because she deserves them all. And we are always going to highlight Missy's um, accomplishments. Always, you know, we always humble, always grateful, always always encouraging us on, on the Internet um yes. and so just 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 a wonderful person and so it's just awesome to see her receive this honor knowing you know that her character um is just as award-winning as her talent absolutely we love to see it absolutely congratulations um, and yeah congratulations melissa shout out to missy in white women liberal news. <laughs> oh, boy. They done changed Minnie Mouse's closure. <laughs> Child, they done put Minnie Mouse in a power suit. <laughs> they gave Minnie Mouse some Ann Taylor. They did. Separate. <laughs> Casual <laughs> corner. <laughs> now, I saw it and I said, what in the Hillary Clinton is going on here? Okay. What in the Kim Jong-un? <laughs> I said, "What is this? What are this? These power- listen." And they thought people was get they people they thought people was gonna be hype boots behind this pantsuit. They was like, "Yes, for Women's History Month, Minnie is wearing pants," and it's like, and "Um, we all, I mean, I mean, what? Okay, have Minnie talk about the wage gap, <laughs> and you know what?" Put a little bit more gravy on it and have her talk about the discrepancies between the way of black women and white. Have her speak about the issues Child. and you will excite me. But y'all going to draw some pants on this cartoon Ooh. that we've been looking at all these years like this way and think we finna get hype. So I want us to pay attention, right, to what's happening. Because I think this mm-hmm. is something that is that happens very commonly, very frequently. Um, it's happening with more and more frequency in, in in today's culture where Absolutely. other like you know platforms like twitter social media the internet um uh, you know gets to discussing topics and handling issues and calling out inequities mm-hmm. uh, and uh areas of prejudice and bias and other sort of inefficiency inefficiencies and structural issues right we get to chewing on the the fat greasy meat of these of these mm-hmm. big complex issues and you know folks will agree that this is important and we need to highlight these things and so um you know as opposed to really get into the meat of the matter a lot of organizations brands individuals they will do something that they think is a big grand showing of solidarity and you know Mm -hmm. that they are co-signing the importance Mm -hmm. of these issues but when it comes down to it it's all window dressing right so it's like the equivalent of us talking about you know uh all of the issues of of race and racism structural racism Mm -hmm. uh you know 
structural inequities that exist in our society and 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 they answer with uh giving white folks juneteenth off for work and they answer with they answer with uh you know putting my angelou on the quarter and harriet tubman yeah. on the 20 dollar bill and now they don't put many in the pencil <laughs> it'd be like okay Mm, but okay. and you okay. know and let me tell you something they set up in that room having meeting after meeting i guarantee you that it was 23 people on that zoom i promise you might have been more might have been a team of 54 and, I and all know. of them was somebody came through and said let for women's history month let's put Minnie in a pantsuit and oh my god stella mccartney is going to design it exactly Bitch, stella mccartney drew some blue pants and a jacket and put some polka dots on it and y'all went up i mean on a cartoon on an animation and so Set in meetings I and wasted wish dollars over this concept like, and so i just feel like you know what and i don't know i hope that this is the case and maybe we're just not aware of it but if a major global conglomerate like disney would do something like this i feel like you know what's a, do something like this but accompany that with some policy that you know at disney you know we're addressing these we've identified these gaps in pay we've identified this lack of diversity and leadership we've identified mm-hmm. these you know you know what are the ways that disney has been contributing to the problem and what are the ways that now that we are aware of that we have this awareness what are the changes and transformations that are going to follow suit absolutely no so that that would make a pantsuit matter if you would accompany it with a, a, a company accompany it with with some intention some things that actually affect us as people as grown adults as marginalized individuals you know what i'm saying what does this really do for women step your pussy up disney step it up and i mean like i said i hope i hope that i'm wrong and i hope that someone will respond write in or send us an email or send us a link and say hey you're absolutely right in fact Disney has agreed to make these changes, um, mm-hmm. you know, in honor of Women's History Month and to address some of the the structural inequities that surround, uh, you know, women employers at Disney. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to make these changes. I feel like yep. that's that's how we cross the threshold of like, you know, superficial cheap change to like actually making a change that that counts. That Absolutely. means something. So like Stella McCartney. Absolutely put some pants on this cartoon and we were supposed to be impressed oh, okay yeah yeah we was gotcha gotcha um that makes me want to look at disney's caption and see i just saw it i saw did. it i think i saw it on on instagram or somebody posted it and i was just like yo they are oh, kidding. they don't even have it on their official page right they now. are kidding me they're kidding everybody's kidding Minnie Mouse Minnie's got a, a pantsuit. Minnie Mouse new oh outfit. Oh my god. Minnie Mouse new look. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Forbes wrote, here's how pantsuits become symbols of women empowerment. <sighs> Lastly on the trash. So this was um I know you don't watch Euphoria. I don't, but I'm happy to sit here and support you I in your you discussion should. of it. You I think I should watch Euphoria? Reactions. I just want to see your live reactions to the show. I don't think that they're going to be as entertaining as you as you might think that they would be, but we'll see. 
I think you. I watched the Sex of the City show, so I think you should go back and watch the first season of Euphoria. The, I gotta watch the first season. season. Yeah. It's okay. A good show. It's a good show. So, um, Dare. You remember Dare? Drug abuse resistance education. <laughs> and they used to have them drawings that look like the little Calvin Hobbes, where he used to piss on the back of uh, of F one fifties and shit. They had them kind of looking uh, pick draw cartoons in books, and they would give them to us, talking about joints are bad and don't drink beer with your friends. Dare gave and, me nightmares you know, as a child. Dare, I actually used to. I was like, Yes, it's time to color, nigga. Because no, no, they would give us color. those books. We had Dare in fifth grade. You wasn't coloring. Exactly. But they still gave us the books. They didn't have no color to them. So they I was did. like, Oh, nigga, I'm about to go in. Oh, but I didn't give a shit about what they was talking about with Dare. And so <laughs> Dare has spoken out against Euphoria. Yo, that is And rich. they said they don't like the way that Euphoria glamorizes the use of drugs and they feel like it's going to have a negative impact. And if you remember where Dare came from, Dare is still a Dare thing. came from the the Nancy Reagan. You all remember the Nancy Reagan just say I no. Do. Yeah, I you do. remember that campaign cuz let me tell you all. And let me tell you all how see, we don't talk about these things. Things come to my mind. Barbara Bush tried to pick up Nancy Reagan and want to talk about Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush, George R. Bush's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Grandma Bush. Not Because I met her when I was six. Did and you? when I tell you, she looked 106 then. Is but she anyway. still living? I heard that she was still no, with us. No. Oh, no. She's okay. No, there's no way. Barbara Bush has. There's no way, nigga. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be really? insensitive. Let me see. Barbara Bush. Nah, she died in 2018. Okay. Yeah. But I met Barbara Bush when I was little, and she was old. Oh, really? But anyway, she tried to pick up Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign because there was this movie that had like all these Disney and Toons characters and and all kinds of niggas, and they was going and this nigga was using drugs and drinking alcohol, and they had him go through a whole journey of what his life was like on drugs. But it was a movie for kids. I don't know if you all remember that. And Barbara Bush did the forward of the video. I gotta find that thing. But anyway, so Dare came from the Just Say No campaign. Problematic. Exactly. Y'all already know where that's steeped in. And Ronald Reagan is the devil. Reaganomics. Um, but Euphoria is not, spe- I mean, uh, Dare is not speaking out against Euphoria, saying that it promotes drug use and it glamorizes it. And so they want to partner. They are calling out Euphoria. They want to, excuse me, they're calling in Euphoria. They want to partner with Euphoria to promote uh you know resistance against drugs while the show is out because they feel like it glamorizes it i mean so okay <laughs> um first of all why if we were in fifth grade when we had deer why the fuck is your kids watching <laughs> hbo they Max? have no business watching euphoria none none my issue with there was that the framing was always, and maybe it was because I was a little black girl, but I always felt like there was a Very strong, heavy. yeah, there was a strong, yeah. like, you know, yes. Yes. you know, and if you see somebody doing drugs, call the police. Yes. It was, a, it was a strong, like, <laughs> this is what black people do. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and maybe that's because of the times, you know, the, the school district that I was in, the way that it was presented to me, Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that was, and that was a real beef that I had with it, even as a as a young girl, because I felt like mm-hmm. all the kids that I knew that was doing drugs in middle school were not black. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I didn't go to school like middle school white kids, so I didn't even know. Right, but I, I, I just felt like the, the way that, that drugs were discussed and handled, there was there was real racialized some real racialized differences between mm-hmm. like the drugs that were going on in like black communities, um, <laughs> and you know, you know, were no crack pipes in the dead. This books. is what I'm saying, and so, um, <laughs> and so I don't know. Mm. I felt like that was I, all the little cartoons, all of the mm-hmm. all of the promotional tools and items and resources mm-hmm. that they're promoted. I felt like were uh, there was a, there was a tone, just a tone of like who, they are My targeting because they always had a cop come to the school and talk to you. They for did their program, and I remember they and... always had this glass case that was filled with drug paraphernalia. Yes, <laughs> and they were like pointing oh out. God. It yes. gave me it gave me such bad, and I was a very you know, I'm still very, you know, I've kind of had nerves and anxiety like all my life. And so I remember being very much like, what's happening here? Like, what, what is going on? Um, I very was just much taken aback. We was like, oh, it's an assembly. <laughs> but, uh, it's an assembly. But yes, I don't know. This is interesting. But I just feel like it was always interesting that they always framed drugs to be like, you know, this darkened practice of, of poor people, right? And so, but, yeah. you know, as, as Janet... You know, you know, David Bowie brung drugs in. David the, Bowie. It, hello. Okay. So he was trying to snort the cocaine in the Jackson mean, house. <laughs> okay. He was like, uh, "Y'all know a place where I can get my sniff sniff for it." I'm like, just saying. Was like, you gonna have to take all of that stuff up out of my mother's house. Please and please. let me tell you something. Again, if you want to look at Euphoria as glamorizing drugs, these is white kids, and Rue is half white, and. They is out here with all this money and all this access because the amount of parental um, uh, presence that you see <laughs> is actually like there's actually parents a part of this. Mm-hmm. They just a part of the problem. They be right. enabling these and that's badass always kids. been my experience as as the as someone who grew up in a very sort of suburban, uh, mm-hmm. racially mixed city. You white know, the white well. kids was the ones that was doing the 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 hardcore. They was the hardcore yep. users. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It was. Let not, me tell you something. My, it was, yeah. My uncle was a troubled child who uh, was so basically they would take these project kids mm-hmm. and they would ship them out. You know, bust them out to the suburbs during the week for them to go to school. You know, because they was troubled kids and they would give them an adopted family, quote unquote, that would basically be the suburban family that would look out. So basically it was a white family that would look out for the little nigger children. Oh, and so, so my uncle was part of that program. Let me tell you all something. He ended up on the crack. So I am just saying <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was just they've it's always, always had, the white kids. White kids have always had much more money and much more freedom. Yep, and their yep. parents sort of you know they were this so those kinds. Of, and I mean I don't know I don't watch Euphoria, so maybe that part of it is less about sensationalizing, but more about sort of truthfully depicting <laughs> what it's like to grow up because nothing these, looks glamorous to my old ass when saying. i watch it i'm like do you watch it are y'all watching this 17 year old girl almost die <laughs> what if, are we watching the same program 
It's interesting. It's very interesting. The things, the things that white people, white people, it's 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 so interesting. The things that white people sort of, you know, the cause. Well, they're like, this is dangerous for our kids. I'm like, your badass kids are buying drugs right now while you're on the internet typing about how dangerous it is. They always the the last to know, right? They out here talk about you know guns and and not feeling safe and it'd be they kids in the garage mixing up bombs and carrying on like y'all, don't, all, y'all not paying attention y'all don't look at your kids amazon orders you don't know what kind of mixtures is coming into the house nigga you don't know that this nigga got a trunk full of weapons in his closet you know what i'm saying i just didn't know that what tim was up to i'm like well bitch if you would have looked in this nigga's closet <laughs> and seen if you would have paid some attention it's always y'all's kids who are out here doing the wild shit always yeah them white boys went to brazil and tore up that damn gas station and blame white boys i mean that's what they do though i mean i feel like this is something that is not i've and lived black a boys who hang around white boys <laughs> Listen, i'm sorry but anyway I'm i just sorry. wanted to talk a little bit about the dare program and how you know i had they a dare t-shirt angst. i remember my dare t-shirt and i remember when we got older like we all got their t-shirts in like fifth grade and then uh-huh. like in 11th grade everyone was like wearing their old d shirt their t-shirts uh-huh. and cutting them up and uh-huh all of that it was a good it was and a good they time. still bring them back out every once in a while and sell them as merch and i shit feel and like i, I have you know, seen them like in a journeys or spencer's gifts yeah. they still have those kinds of shirts but we we need not uh perpetuate because okay. they was very police heavy. Because I remember them big ass drawings of the fucking right. police badge. I mean, the police in officers. Those fucking books. There was the guy who did dare at my school. His name was Detective Mike something. <laughs> it was like it was Italian. It was like Mike Frizzoli, Fratelli, yep. something or other. Right. And he would yeah, come in. You know I mean, come Lillian. into the elementary school full in full uniform. Mm-hmm. With this talk big about, glass case, talk about talk about uh, people put the cocaine in the balloon and swallow it, <laughs> right? Yes. And I'm I'm yes. nine years old, looking in class like, oh dear God, <laughs> like I am stunned because we what I'm like we go to Sunday school at my house. I don't know what y'all talk about here. What is this? And now I, I go home and tell my mama all of this stuff. Like I saw a crack pipe today. I, oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna tell you the story. I saw a crack pipe, but not through the dare program. <laughs> I mean, naturally, these things were happening in my family, but you know, my mom did a really yeah. good job of sheltering oh. me and Brian from a lot. I remember I one time. This is like, a funny oh. story. What's well, not funny? <laughs> it's not funny at all. But we was going. I remember it was a Saturday. And we we would always get fast food. My grandmother cooked every day, but Saturday we would always get fast food for dinner because you know Sunday dinner, you know everyone was on their own mm-hmm. for Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was coming back from the Galleria, and we was driving like or oh, uh, through through White Plains, and you know you had to drive through the projects to sort of get get to you know mm-hmm. the, the road through the projects to get get home. And mm-hmm. I remember we was coming from the from the mall. And we drove into some sort of situation. It was I don't know if it was a a, a carjacking or a oh, robbery Lord. or something, but some guy had like a gun like out, and it was a, oh nigga in in the street. And like I remember driving past in my mother's Pontiac Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am, and I mean just seeing that gun and being like. <laughs> like, I remember, like it, it like traumatizing my little eight year old self. 
Oh, you was eight? Yes. That was my first gun. Let me tell you something. I had not seen a gun in real life. That was not my first gun. I was 12 and a nigga pulled a gun on me. Where? Child in some apartment. So let me tell you. And then we got to move on. She <laughs> got, got all the stories on. all the time. I do. It's a lot. It's it be story time a lot. So I was visiting a friend at twelve, and I was oh going my. to knock on her door twelve, and so it was this. So you know the way. You know, uh, sometimes you'll have the apartments that are across from each other. Mm-hmm. So that it was across. Well, around his doorstep, you know, some, you can always tell when something's amiss in some of the apartments because around his doorstep, well, I mean, around his door frame was bullet shots all around it and then he would take different colors spray paint and just do a little sh- on each shot that was around mm-hmm. the door and then it was like colorful towels that were on the floor come to find out he was a vet so he suffered from ptsd oh. because he would be out on the street he would take his cane and hold it up to people like a gun like he there oh. were issues there but I was going to visit the friend and when I was waiting for waiting for her to come out, he comes out and pulls his gun out on me. So then some kind of way he goes back into his apartment. He threats, threatens to throw bleach on me. He goes back into the apartment. And of course, I run down the stairs and like run. I like run. And that's how you knew he was off. Somebody's going to pull a gun on. They either going to. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do or whatever. He pulls it out and then he goes back into the apartment to get the bleach. So he was just out of his he mind. He pulls a gun out. And but I'm 12 years bleach. old. And when I tell you, I motherfucking booked it, like booked it. They went looking for him. I don't know what ended up happening, but that was the time. That Woo. was the time. That was I my first like gun. Nigga. I was, I was in the like, car okay, and Rhonda right. was driving past. It's not even like, and the gun wasn't pointed at me. I just saw it. I was in the car. Never... My mother was driving past. And when I tell you, I probably ain't sleep for 10 days. <laughs> I was just like, he has a I gun. I didn't sleep that night. That nigga pulled it out, like pulled it out. And I was That's like, oh my crazy. God, I'm about to. And I knew, like my, like my my spirit knew when I walked, was going to my friend's door. I'm like, oh man, that door don't look right. Like I got to stay away from there. And he opens his door. I didn't accidentally knock on his door or anything. He opens his door and. Ooh. It all transpired. That shit was wild. I know my father and some people went back over there, so that's why I don't really know what happened. But anyway, um, that is the trash, I think. And (laughs) we can move right along. I mean, the whole show. So when you're able to grab a moment to yourself, rare times for someone like myself, make the most of it by playing Best Fiends. Honestly, it can feel great to lose track of time for a bit when you're on a Best Fiends winning streak, honey, and a long line at your favorite fast food restaurant. Have the house to yourself for once. Those are all great times to lose yourself in Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play. The game features tons of cute characters that help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. And the more you play, the more characters you collect and the more you win, the more challenges you face. It's fun, right? You won't get bored because new characters and challenging puzzles are added all the time. And there are tons of fun events where you can win huge rewards in-game. There are thousands of levels, so what are you waiting for? Get started. I you all, I told you all I started in last time when I started over. I was on level, I think it was 200 when I spoke to you. Now your girl's on 343, and it is still a good time. Best Fiends is it. I always have a blast, and... 
it's just it's just my favorite way to pass the time. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right. And so I, you know, this week I wanted to talk about the Great Resignation. I, I mentioned it on last week's show. I feel like this is something, uh, you know, sort of piqued my interest. I was reading about it. I have been reading about it for the last few weeks um, and wow. just got curious, decided to ask our, our, our community, you know, mm-hmm. how it, how it was hitting, how it was hitting us and got some really um, awesome stories, dope stories, dope accounts of uh, what's been going on with folks. And so I just, <clears throat> in the spirit of sort of just sort of grounding the conversation um, within the last uh, 18 months or so, um, or even more recently than that, um, mm-hmm. as early as it's the spring of 2021, uh, there have been reports that close to 33 million Americans have resigned, quit their jobs for one reason or another. Absolutely. And there have been, um, you know, a, a host of different reasons as to why folks are sort of thinking about <clears throat> sort of reimagining <laughs> their professional lives or their mm-hmm. lives sort of generally and, and, you know, making, you know, moves towards yes. uh, different, different positions, different opportunities, different lifestyles. And so mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this has been characterized by just, you know, us sort of still navigating this very, uh, ghetto pandemic that we've been in for you know upwards mm. of three years now um mm-hmm. and folks just sort of realizing that <clears throat> they were not in the best situations or they could get into better situations and you know moving moving to that effect and so um what's most interesting is that you know more recently it's sort of being reframed not necessarily as a resignation because it's not that people are just wholesale deciding to stop working mm-hmm. more so folks are deciding to sort of renegotiate their professional lives and and make different choices absolutely a lot of it has been attributed to uh sort of different fluctuations in the economy so mm-hmm. you know there have been some people who who have uh entered this phase of life as a result to you know sort of hit in uh coming into money whether it be through real estate um mm-hmm. you know nfts crypto there's like you know a boom people people is just sort of having more access to cash the markets have been sort of fluctuating around the pandemic and things like that yeah. and so there have been people who uh you know they are able to sort of to, to move differently they don't have to work um as yeah. much and then there are other people who are who have just found themselves in terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Um, they're quitting to get better jobs, um, and so you know it's not it's not that there's a shortage of labor, so to speak. It is more so there are actually twice as more jobs available mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. than you know in, in more recent years. And so with that sort of you know boom in the in the job market, there's just a lot more flexibility. People can sort of yes. move more freely um so yeah i just wanted to talk about it and see how folks have been experiencing it or you know sis do you consider your your move to sort of you know your new professional 
existence is that do you think that's sort of connected to this or is it just before this yes. like how is this hitting you <laughs> yes i do because <laughs> you know what i'm gonna put myself in the okay so i'm gonna liken it to this you know before covid became covid the niggas who said they had COVID before COVID became COVID, they was like, oh shit, I had that cough back in October, November, <laughs> yeah. 2019. And I know, so I, I use that as, as an analogy for me being the uh, precursor to this great resignation. <laughs> I got laid off in <laughs> June of 2019. And, but I did say, I did say, and the reason why I said yes to you, um, is because when I was at that job, and I think I've said it before, I did say from the start of that job, which was four years prior, this is my last corporate stop. Mm -hmm. And so I, I built myself up to a place that once I did get laid off, I was like, okay, I, you know, this is the moment that kind of is, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. So we're going to see what we made of. And so that's why, yeah, I think to, to a degree, I would be, I would consider myself a part of that great resignation. And so later laid off ignition. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, okay. Fair. So there were some people, you know, so, so, uh, laid off ignition is funny, but it's, <laughs> but so even though though you, your, your decision, you were laid off, but you did intentionally decide to not yes. go back into, to the kind of work or, you know, that, yes. you know, working in the same way that you that you did before and so was that that was more like you said you've always wanted to be in this place no okay. actually i didn't foresee myself in this place uh before i had actually taken podcasting seriously mm. or um before i got laid off the first time like years prior and had to go back into the service industry right. which then kind of kicked off you know, me being like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm good at this. I enjoy it. Let me do it. So I guess there was a, a little prophecy back some years ago that kind of foreshadowed all of that. Um, but no, I didn't foresee myself in a corporate space or leaving a corporate space right. or leaving being under somebody or reporting to somebody until it started happening. Yeah. And then once that started happening, then it was like, okay, you know what? Like, I've been doing this for X amount of time, you know, I'm going to keep my, my safety net here, but I'm just going to continue to build on what I've been doing for this amount of time. Cause now I see it where it has the potential to be something else because it's, it's become something else. So how does that shape how you think about the future? So now that you've well, sort of had this super experience. optimistic. Okay. Um, I, I, I try to be optimistic and realistic. You know what I'm saying? Niggas say they want to start a podcast. I say, yes, do what you want to do that. But if you're going into this for financial freedom, right. Um, I would also, you know, try to build on some other skills as well to incorporate or make sure, you know, that there's something else in there that you have to offer. You know what I'm saying? So you can shift this in a way that you want to, um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, no, no. I think that I think you're headed actually where, uh, yes, you are answering my question because I think what okay. what this sort of means to me as I sort of look through the articles that I've read and also mm -hmm. I, you know, the nerd in me, the 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 yes, academic in it. me, we need it. As you know, I saw on Twitter, folks were responding and saying, "Yeah, yes, I'm leaving. We're transitioning. Mm -hmm. We're moving professionally. We're thinking differently about work and what that means. Mm -hmm. um, we're pursuing different things. Um, 
either by force or by choice. And so I, I yep. put together a little Google form because, you know, I'm be always thinking like there's a lot of data here. This, love let's get a survey going and see, and see like what's what's out there in the streets. And so y'all y'all responded like, you know, y'all really responded. And I really appreciate all of you that took the time out to take it, take the little get the little getting grown. Great resignation survey. Um uh, so yes, according to our data, we have 83% mm-hmm. of, of the people who responded said that they are a part of the great resignation movement. 98, wow. 98 of those people resigning of their own volition. Right. So, um, we only have 1%, like 1.92, almost 2%. 2, 2% of the sample was laid off. The other 98% resigned. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, of the people who responded resigned within the last one to six months. Mm. Um, Okay. Yeah. So this is, these, this, these are recent changes. Six, uh, 15% of folks resigned within the last six to 12 months and 15%, uh, resigned sometime in 2020. So, um, okay. Oh, XD is part of the great resignation. Is he? He quit his job, quit. In, I want to say, April of 2020. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he quit his job um, just before he moved to L.A. because he was feeling unsafe in the pandemic. They started trying to have him come back into the office. And he said, you know what? You know, I've been working on this other shit and I'm going to see how it how it rocks my world. So he quit his job. Hmm. He's part of this as well. And he's doing just good. a fun fact. And he's the and you see, he's still you know, thriving. doing what he's doing. So I love to see it. Right. Um, but we have some dope stories, folks talking, um, really candidly. Thank you so much. And sharing with such, such, op- uh, so such honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of folks, um, sharing their stories, um, about, you know, what sort of contributed to their, to their great resignation. And so I pulled a couple so the majority of people that responded to our particular survey were between the ages of 35 and 44. Okay. Uh, hmm. Which I thought was really interesting, right? Gang, gang. <laughs> gang, 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 gang. Gang, gang, gang. Squad, squad. Squad, squad, squad. So then I started to look at like, okay, so what was going on amongst the 25 to 34-year-olds, right? Um, most of them... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my little Excel sheet here. So just let Mm-mm. me, let me get it together. Um, so most, most of the people that, that, uh, most of the 25 to 34 year olds that have resigned, resigned within the last one to six months. Uh, so within the last six months, um, in terms of what motivated folks, people were saying things like, I wanted to work remotely a hundred percent. I wanted more money. Um, uh, you know, these people were also saying, you know, I needed a, a mental break, a break away from toxic work environments. Mm-hmm. I was really mm-hmm. stressed out. Um, our workload doubled and then tripled because of the, because of the pandemic. And then mm-hmm. my organization, um, decided to, uh, you know, you know, restructure and reorganize and move in ways that weren't cognizant of our humanity or what, what we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, folks really looking around and realizing that they were, uh, you know, working jobs that they were overqualified for. Um, mm-hmm. People looking around and saying, I'm overworked and underpaid. Um, 
um, and you know, a lot of times crisis like COVID, you know, also makes mm-hmm. other issues way more apparent. So if you're dealing with issues of awful, terrible leadership, or you don't have any sort of professional development, you don't have flexibility, mm. these sort of things, mm. uh, you know, you don't have adequate sick leave, you don't have adequate benefits. Um, you know, Christ COVID has sort of made this, this, uh, apparent for a lot of people. And so people, um, people transition. And what I thought was most interesting is that in, in our sample, uh, you know, the 25 to 34 year olds sort of transition from one job to a better job, sometimes mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. the same field, other times within other fields, but amongst, you know, our gang gang, 35 to 44, these, uh, these individuals that were people who were, you know, changing course in more dramatic ways. I left so the job. The fuck that squad. Yes. yes. Okay. Very much given. I'm not doing this ever again. That's what it's oh, very much the given. Crew. <laughs> so like, you know, when you get to the 35 and 44 year olds, when you look at the data in response to the questions of what motivated or inspired your professional transition, People were saying stuff like them white folks. <laughs> I hated that nigga. <laughs> I just My got mental tired pity. of dealing Let with them white people. I, I realized. Right. Hmm? No, I said I know that's right. I know that's right. I love it. I love it. Um, let me see. Uh, so um, at uh, Leslin. I hope I'm saying this at Leslin L8. Y'all be having these names that are just not, you can't read them. So I don't know. Is it Leslie? (laughs) Leslin? I don't know. But girl, you know who you are. She's out of Dallas. (laughs) She said, I realized I wasn't happy. My passion and the company, um, the direction the company was going in was Mm -hmm. never really going to align or merge. My boss was trash. The, and I was, mm. you know, she was basically unfulfilled. Um, uh, other folks found out that they were making significantly mm-hmm. less than their peers or counterparts. Mm. Other people felt like, you know, they were a lack of professional growth or, or, or mm. noticed that the, to- the work environment was especially toxic. Um, the, you know, so ridiculous policies surrounding COVID. Uh, racist boss were a very big oh. a big hit around here and so oh, wow. what I've noticed and so as I think about this and to think of this you know I'm I'm an academic so I think about these things and themes right mm-hmm. the themes that, that come across is so like you know um, I think for the younger of us this is more about having more flexibility more financial mm-hmm. stability um, mm-hmm. And I feel like as we get older, this is much more about freedom and happiness and mental and your and, and health your mental peace and being peace. protected. And I think mm-hmm. you know, I I for one, especially as we're going into Black History Month, I thought we sh- like you know that's one of the things that I'm committing to. Um, I sort of made it a little my little mission. I I'm going to post on social media tomorrow. So like you know, Black History Month. What does it mean to me? And what are the things that I'm mm-hmm. sort of going to work toward? Uh, achieving mm-hmm. inspiring what are the things that i want to sort of embody what are, are mm-hmm. like my look thinking about my values the things that are important to me yes. as it relates to being black and freedom um you know sort of 
exploring freedom, exploring this concept mm-hmm. of freedom, really sitting with it, thinking about what it means practically. That's mm-hmm. something that I, I, I am sort of, uh, you know, that's something I'm thinking about for myself and thought it would be cool for us to talk about here. Um, and I thought I would frame it in the context of this great resignation or great renegotiation um, mm-hmm. sort of uh, framework, because I think, I think a lot of this does boil down to like, this is about black people pursuing freedom in a particular sort Absolutely. of way. We want, Absolutely. we want freedom and we're trying to define it. We're trying to really bring it into our lives, into our space. And I think it, I'm inspired by uh, all of, all of Listen. these people deciding that they are not going to just accept, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, uh, inadequate treatment, poor working yep. conditions, um, insufficient pay, uh, mm-hmm. you know, inadequate benefits, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just not being happy, <laughs> not mm-hmm. being happy, mm-hmm. not being physically healthy, not being emotionally healthy. It's, it's, an, it was inspiring to me to sort of read Listen, all those y'all. numbers you read off, you said 83% and I was like, nigga, that's a, that's a B. That's well, okay? well past that's, the majority. That's that is chunk. all the majority. 89%. That's all the majority. All of and it. 98% of them chose. Yes. To go in that direction, which I find I, I find that to be beautiful and fascinating and and inspiring. Um, I'm laughing at also at the at the statistics that you pulled because my little sister mm-hmm. falls into the other age bracket just by 25, a couple 34. of years. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I think well, she she's 33 and she quit her job and got another one better one yes. <laughs> that worked out for her situation yes so. and, but i mean i'm all for that too because it's not mm-hmm. you know it is sometimes it's not that you hate what you're doing you just hate where you do it listen everybody can't sell eyelashes and bottles of liquor okay <laughs> like everybody don't everybody can't make lace fronts you know what i'm saying or you know whatever the fuck like everybody can't it's not ready to go out and just do that Sometimes it's about just finding out what the best position for yourself is and for your mental peace and what's going to be the best for you and your, and your choices and your lifestyle. So yeah. And I I find that inspiring for sure, for sure. And I just love it. And I think, you know, I'm sharing it here because I'm hoping that we all can sort of find ways to cultivate this freedom in our lives to pursue this space where we are making choices um, that, you know, uh, help to bring more ease, more balance, mm-hmm. um, you know, better, better, uh, compensation, mm-hmm. um, and sort of setting ourselves up the job market, you know, according to what the, you know, nationally speaking, the job market is, there's a boom happening right now. And so Absolutely. many people who might be looking for jobs, there are better options available to us. And we don't have to sort of contend with, you know, these things. We don't have to accept what's given to us. We do have some agency to go out and sort of create the kind of lives that we want to have. And so I just thought it would be dope to share um, on here. People sharing all kinds of things. People having to transition out of jobs, you know, because of health concerns um, and, and needing to be in better, more flexible situations. So if you're listening to this, you have the right, you have the capacity, you have the means, you have the opportunity to make better choices and to sort of mm-hmm. pursue freedom. If you feel bound in your professional cir- circumstances, situation, your job, mm-hmm. there are other options that are available to you. Now, this is not me running and telling you to quit your job. Don't you call no. me. 
and and no. say that I quit my job because because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that listen. Because <laughs> the student loan doctor, I listen. I heard what she said last week. Right. She told y'all niggas to look at boats and picture yourself on one, and you will have one. And I think that's beautiful. But let me tell you, don't look at no motherfucking picture of no boat and go tomorrow and quit your damn job. Right. I Make think that there's a step and there's, <laughs> there's process to things. Right. And I think Absolutely. that's one thing that we can't ever lose sight of. Right. We have to absolutely, be strategic. Absolutely. We have to move. If we, we can absolutely set goals, but we have to move and sort of set ourselves up to to really be in a place to sort of have. And I think it's more about what I loved about even last week's conversation was it was about Mm -hmm. sort of exposing people to what is out there, what is available to you. And there is no one way to get it is what I, what I, you know, she said, stop looking at the potential of these niggas and look at the potential of of yourself. Dollars. (laughs) And and the potential that's within you, the capacities that you already have. And, you know, entrepreneurship is a way to cultivate that, but it's not the only way there are other ways no. that you can negotiate your way into a better situation. And so Absolutely. I don't know. I was inspired and just thought it would be cool to kick it around the kitchen table because maybe it would inspire, this was a good, inspire this was somebody a good else. One. Thank you so much, sis. Thank you the for, rego- for initiating that conversation. I think that is a it's a it's a key conversation, especially right now. It's very timely. Um and I don't think it's gonna be the last time that we have it. Yeah, and I would, I mean, I, we did get a lot. Thank you to everyone, all of you that filled out the survey. There were so many of you that said that you were willing to share your stories. And so this is something that we will keep. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, in the future, maybe we can have a little series. We can bring some of you guys on yes. to talk about it. Yes. Um, you know, and I we mean, might I set up a line for y'all to do some voicemail stuff. And yeah. Then we'll, you know, and I also feel together. like, you know, because I, I feel like these stories are inspiring. And especially throughout Black History Month, we all need to hear stories of folks getting free. That's what it yes. is for me. We need to hear Absolutely. it. We need to surround ourselves with it. And so that we can know that if we need to improve our situations, we can. We can. We can. We absolutely we can. can. So thanks to everyone that filled out my survey. The survey is going to stay up. So if you're hearing mm-hmm. this now and you want to, you want to add your story to the pot, you can absolutely do that. I would love to hear from you. Yes. And we will use that information later on. Promise you that. Shall we move on to this self-care? Oh, honesty box. I'm so sorry. Honesty okay, box. I'm down. All right. All right. Honestly. Truly. All right. We have an honesty box coming through. And you know what? This is a real one. She said that she don't need no pseudonym. Go off. They said it. they don't need no pseudonym. She said, I ain't so, scared. I'm never scared. So this is from Poppy G. <laughs> which I guess is kind of a pseudonym. But Poppy G says, hi, Chef J to Dr. Kia. Hopefully you're both doing well and avoiding unnecessary stress so far this year. Amen. I receive it. Y'all know how much we listeners adore you, so I won't go on and on about that. Thank you, Poppy G. I wanted to write the show for feedback about a professional pain that is wearing me down. The timeliness. I am an administrative assistant in the Office of Equal Opportunity at a state university in Iowa. Mm -hmm. To start, let me share a bit of my background with you. I have a Bachelor of Science in HR Management and currently pursuing a Master's in IO Psych and completed a graduate certificate in applied workplace psychology. Although I I have only a couple of years of prior work experience in human resources, I think I'm qualified to work in the field. The people hiring in the university's HR department seem to believe otherwise since I interviewed for two HR coordinator roles and was rejected both times. 
They offered the position to one of my colleagues with zero HR experience, but one supervised a unit in the university police department. Odd, huh? Mm. Iowa vibes are made up of a conflict avoidant, covert racist, passive aggression. The HR environment at my workplace seems to thrive on nepotism and, and uh, homogeneity. Uh, <laughs> homogeneity? There you go. Uh, homogeneity. While the university actively hires people or women of color in leadership roles, the focus on inclusion and equity is lacking across the organization. Most of the diversity efforts are incredibly performative, as evidenced by their decisions to only hire black people in the VP DEI position. Mm. Keep in mind, this VP role has existed for less than a decade. Mm. It's not a bad thing per se, but it is a bit sus. Mm. Equally concerning, the positions filled through a national search agency are more diverse than roles filled by on-site recruiters. The black employees who are hired rarely move up in the ranks, and there are no efforts to retain them. My mentor and previous supervisor recently accepted a position in another university. She's a black woman and actively worked toward DEI, uh, which we know is diversity, equity, and inclusion, while maintaining OE compliance. Her interim replacement is an agreeable, inexperienced Anglo. Pray for me. I've done my nosy analysis of the HR staff and found a rampant lack of diversity in their department. These quote-unquote professionals who make nearly all of the hiring decisions on campus are almost entirely white. There's only one black male in an HR partner role and a handful of, quote unquote, other racially ambiguous HR staff members and positions that are not brazenly positioned on the UHR staff directory. You would think they had an inkling of interest in recruiting at least one black woman, right? My question is for Queen Dr. Kia. Oh, Lord. How do you suggest addressing this issue? Should I send the concern up to the university president? Am I delusional to think I'm qualified for a role in the department? I'm actively seeking employment elsewhere, but I'd rather stay since the employee benefits here are immaculate and almost worth the temporary pain of white nonsense. With all love and respect, Poppy G. So, okay, just to sort of get an overview. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. She's, so she wants... So she, so she wants to, did she say what her current position is? Let's see. Uh-huh. She's an administrative assistant. And she wants to. In the Office of Equal Opportunity. Um, is there a particular, is she, she wants. So she talked a lot looks about, like... about sort of like, you know, diversity hires and. Uh, you know, the office hasn't really been in existence in a long time. And mm-hmm. um, she wants to talk to the, she wants to, I want, what did, remind me again, because I mean. In the, the VP DEI position, which is, uh, it's a VP role. She wants a VP role. Um, she wants a VP role in the diversity and equity inclusion uh, department. Um, a role that has existed for less than a decade. Um, yes. So she's saying that this is, they usually hire for this role through, um, through a hiring service, but she wants to shoot her shot. That's what it looks like. And her question for you in that is besides how, as, uh, addressing the issue of a lack of diversity in the department overall, um, 
and sending up her concern to the university president, is she delusional to think she's qualified for a role in the for I guess for that role or no? I don't think she's delusional to think that she's qualified, but I I do think that there is a certain level of uh like these things sort of function a certain kind of way in the in these spaces and so i think mm-hmm. you know you have to be conscious of sort of like how the game is is played mm. i don't know man i feel like this is this is such a such a uh individual case it's it's hard to say because i think i have more questions than answers right now um okay. so i guess in a direct form mm mm-hmm. In what case would you suggest she goes to the president of the university, if at all? That that gives me pause. Like, I don't know. Okay. I'm not excited about her going to the president. Okay, that was a direct question. So I'm not. The, and I, I feel like I would need more information about what she's going to say, like what her ask is. Mm hmm. Is she going to the She's president? asking you how how you think you she should she should address the concern in general. Address Would it be her concern. That mm-hmm. Her, that her concern being that she cuz she has a lot of concerns like, you know, I guess I think also part of it cuz she did talk about how um the black people that are hired are not hired for positions of power. They're not hired for positions of advancement. Um, and so... I will say that this is a big issue. This is a this is a, a larger issue than just mm-hmm. this singular case, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I worry that if she goes into the president's office on her uh, by herself to discuss this, mm-hmm. she's sort of, you know, walking... She's going to put a target on her back. She's going to make yeah. herself a target, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so mm-hmm. I do, and, and I don't want, I don't want the way that she goes about this to, to sort of dis- distract from the larger issue at hand. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if this is something that she wants to, to, to make the president aware of, so I think there are two issues here. If she wants this job, there's a certain way she got to go about this. But if she wants to mm-hmm. sort of call attention to a larger pattern that she's noticing around hiring that she's gonna have mm-hmm. to move a completely different way okay. i don't know if she's gonna be able to do both is what i'm saying okay you hear that poppy g and maybe you want to write in with a little bit more information um yeah and then we this can kind of do like a, this is very sticky a janet jackson part two night two to to your honesty box but it sounds like Listen to what Kia said and, <laughs> and then go from there. Well, yeah, and I don't know. I think I, I'm, yeah, I, and I don't know. I'm not, I would, so I will offer also say that there are other people that listen to this show that also do, you know, what I do or something very similar and may, they may have insights as well. And so if there are other people that are listening that, you know, you know, have some particular advice given all that this particular listener has shared, Poppy G, right? Poppy G is her name. Poppy G. Um, you know, let's all gather around the kitchen table and really chew, chew this, you know, just work through this. Cause I feel like this is a very complex layered political, politically yeah. charged situation and i and yeah. i feel like you might have to make some decisions about what is priority because i don't know if you're going to be able to do all of these things 
at one time. I don't know if you can rah rah and get the job at the Absolutely same time. Absolutely, is what I'm rah-rah saying. Or go for the job. Going, you might have to decide which of these you're going to go. You, you're you're pursuing, and that's not to say because, like he had just said, she she's it's 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 very present these types of situations in multiple corporate establishments, universities, anywhere where you have groups of humans and individuals. Uh, where it is predominantly run by white people, which is most most places, you know, you're going to have these sorts of dynamics. Um, it's not to say that these dynamics are not problematic or don't need to be addressed. I think, though, I agree with you that if you're trying to run for the bag, unfortunately, you may not be able to be the advocate or the uh, the um, pro protest aficionado you know that right. you might want to be you know what i'm saying um <laughs> and maybe there are ways to get into that position and then from that position use that position in order to address those problems internally you know what i'm saying on a on a on a more foundational um scale but and that's not to say protests and shit don't get the job done <laughs> right but you may not get the job so if you'd like to write in with more information, we'll be happy to do a part two to this. Um, but I agree with Kia. I think there's some decisions that have to be made before you figure out if you want to go route A or route B. Blue pill, red pill. Mm-hmm. Um, all these Morpheus references are just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> what a mess. But I think it is time for us. Oh, please continue to send your honesty box questions to Getting Grown Podcast at gmail.com poppy g we can't wait to hear back from you and let us move along to the self-care i deserve all right black woman self-care mine is very brief straight to the point it hasn't come yet so i can't wait to report back but i ordered a lumbar a lumbar pillow like a, Mm -hmm. a lumbar it's like a butt a butt pillow and a back pillow to sort of improve Mm -hmm. my office chair situation and it hasn't yet arrived but I'm very much looking for I spend the majority of my life in this chair and as such do you have a good one I I feel like my I feel like you know this this pillow is just going to hold me over until I can buy a better one because I was talking to Fran and Fran was telling me about (laughs) about this office chair that That she purchased that has changed Mm -hmm. her life so I'm I'm getting yes and Antoinette purchased a, uh, a, a another model of that company. Oh, really? Of of lesser mm-hmm. dollars, uh, but <laughs> from that same company yeah. for lumbar, yeah, support. So, yeah, listen, these I'm things are important at this juncture in very our lives. Important. This is very important. Um, Well, my self care Mm -hmm. uh, today (laughs) is, um, oh, you know what? It's the Lunar New Year. It is. And uh, so we as a family, the moon peaks at a 1240 something. I thought it was 1231, but it might peak at 1240 something. We're going to go outside for the Lunar New Year. Uh, you can't see the moon, obviously, but we will, you know, say some intentions and, um, you know, just just welcome it in properly. And so that would be my self-care this week. Go ahead. Kia's like, 
Y'all are so woo-woo-ass niggas. I'm just listening. I said no such thing. I just yeah. sat here. <laughs> what? This is not fair. I said no words whatsoever. Now, why do you let me rile you up? Why? <laughs> why do you let me rile you up? <laughs> I am your test. <laughs> I literally said, go ahead. <laughs> she didn't say anything. <laughs> Oh my god. Go forth and (laughs) thank you very much. Get your life. Yes, we're gonna get the lives. Let's go into these petty peeves. Let's do it. Because I got one of those. (laughs) And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody knows I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. Right, let's get into these petty peeves. And I got one this week. Um, so today in Escuela, you know, we in the, we're in the, uh, braising and stewing portion of the program, Mm -hmm. which is entirely too long. Um, but we had to, (laughs) it is so long. So, but we were doing veal shanks today and rabbit, um, and different sauces and, you know, going through your methods, all of that. Anyway. So a lot of times we work in groups for like some of the dishes, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the dishes in particular today, one was a group dish and the other one was an individual dish, the braised lamb shanks, I mean, uh, veal shanks. So everybody makes their individual pot or whatever. Um, this is not to brag on, you know, my talents, but your girl's pot was delicious boots, okay? Mm. Uh, and the thing about it is I have more variety of spices in my cabinet than what you have at culinary school because they're teaching you about the basics and, you know, how you need to be able to do things with fresh herbs and salt and pepper and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Still made it delicious. I was like, now, had I been at home and be able to really jazz and zhuzh this thing up, Put it would have been Tony's in this over joint. for you girls. <laughs> Little, a little charmula from the spice suite. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, but I still made it do what it do. Anyway, so everybody's kind of going around. Some people want to taste other people's if it looks delicious. You want to taste everybody's. You know, so a couple people came by. I tried a couple people's. A couple people tried mine. And, you know, it was delicious. It was a resounding, this is good. Mm-hmm. Except for one young man. Oh, Lordy. Who who uh volunteers to me unsolicited it's a little salty Jay. of course of course it, i knew he's it like, you went kind of heavy on the salt now a little backstory i also have a young filipino classmate who has this jamaican grandmother that's a long story that's another story anyway this boy got flavor to him okay let me tell y'all he came back to school one day talking about him and his grandma was making oxtails the weekend before (laughs) and all kinds of stuff but he got the flavors and he knows how food is supposed to taste so i tasted his veal shanks today and they were delicious and guess who also told them that they were over salted so when i realized what was happening here he volunteered that unsolicited opinion to me I said, blank, it's not salty. You have a weak tongue. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) It's not my fault that you have not been raised on seasoned food, sir. It's not. And I should have known 
from the from the first course we were doing when the chef was like, I want you to salt your blanching water like the ocean. Okay, if it's too salty for the, your lips, that means it's great for blanching. He's <laughs> like, but and he was like, chef is obsessed with salt. I'm like, chef's not obsessed with salt. You have an aversion to flavor. That's the problem here. <laughs> and so I told him, I was like, you got a weak tongue. You got a weak tongue. That's all that is. You can't taste my food no more. It's always going to be salty to you. It's always going to be salty. Just don't even come around here no more because... Don't yeah. even come... And don't ask to taste nothing. Because I also didn't ask you what you thought about it. Because I right. knew who to ask. What you think about this? It's good, right? <laughs> it's like, it wasn't you... And your weak ankle ass tongue. Anyway, you don't trust no um, I'm not your talking shit about him. I said palette, this to his sir. face. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> this is the same. This is same young man who got mad at me because I called him white. I told him he look. I said you just look like oh, every white boy in a show to me. You know what I'm saying? He could be a euphoria. He, he could be a number that. of things. Oh, you know he was, but I'm not even white. I said, well, what are you then? He said, I'm my family's Middle Eastern. I said, well, what part, what country are you all from? <laughs> now, y'all, there was no country, okay? He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. He's like, but I know. I said, okay, so you American Jewish. And that's okay. I said, because us as black people, a lot of times, we don't know country we're from know. either. Exactly. I was like, but ain't nobody up here going, hey, 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 I am not black. I am African. <laughs> like because we know that nigga we i was like i looked at you and seen them all of undertones but don't get mad when you still present as a white man in the society this poor young boy he probably hates my stinking guts but um what's your petty peeve this week <laughs> weak tongue ass nigga <laughs> uh, man uh... <laughs> my petty peeve is very petty and it's all my fault Okay. Um, We all know that, uh, you know, I I, I don't play about my nails. And I don't know if you, uh, I've also shared on social media, but I also have a favorite pen. My favorite pen is the um, Pentel RSVP. These ghetto pens. You see my pen. Wait, they write smooth? Yes, you can get the fine or the ultra fine. But they come in a variety, a host of colors. Um, Pentel, what is it called? RSVP. Pentel, RS, I'm showing you, look. I know, I was trying to look it up to purchase it though. Oh yes, there we go. I found it. Favorite ghetto pens. They're also, they're available down to the the Amazon. Yep. Oh yes, these are my favorites. They write so smooth. They're so good. But you know what? It is a ballpoint. And so, you know, the ink gets oh, yeah. everywhere and so i ruin like i feel like it ruins my because i got ink all over my gel nail nail polish mm. and i hate looking at my hands but i have found a fix for those of the girls who may be suffering that's why i'm sharing so my petty peeve is that these pins okay. although i love them these pins wreak havoc on my on my on my full set okay on my overlay but the Aww. fix the fix is what you do is you just get your little hairspray, a little, oh. a little hairspray. You spray hairspray on your nails. Then you can take a napkin or a cotton swab or something and you can get the ink off and you wash your hands. But you just have to do that. I now have to do that like just about every day, every other day because I have to write. And so that, I use my favorite pens. I love these pens, but that's the only kind 
to this my favorite pen is that the ink gets all over my fingers um well i just purchased two packs i mean i love them i have it i have it purple i have green black blue they also have a very nice red girl yes you know i love a pen and a notebook girl i listen and you know i've been making my notes and using my pins and i realized the other day that in my home i didn't have enough pins i went to go look for pins and was like oh you barely have any so um that is actually very useful and beneficial and thank you very much because i forgot about how much i loved those pins and i just bought me some i also love those double-sided sharpies Mm -hmm. the one that has the fine and then the other one the medium i'm gonna buy me some of those too well that is another episode of getting grown thank you so much for coming to sit with us at the kitchen table thank you for sharing your great resignation stories and you know we're excited we've we've been really working behind the scenes um i know we say that a lot but we have been um in making sure that we bring you all quality good stuff and we've got fun stuff coming in the very near future so make sure you stay tuned for that sis take us out as always friends it it is in Mm. our best interest um to uh, moisturize our minds by only Mm -hmm. concerning ourselves with the business that is ours minding our business is really the only way that's what the lord told us in first thessalonians 4 to live a quiet life and mind your business (laughs) he also said that we are supposed to take care of our insides by drinking much as much of of the of the water that we can stand that's how we be out here aging gracefully like aj aging Mm. gracefully like aj johnson okay because sharan is still out here still giving the girls a fever let me tell you something okay Okay. just beautiful just gorgeous. i mean outstanding and finally you also want to uh moisturize your skin especially in the winter months we are in the Hmm. heart of winter and the ash Hmm. is out here seeking whom it may devour so please Please, by all means, moisturize your 2,000 parts every day. Not just on some days. Each and every day. Why, sis? Because your black will crack (laughs) if you use crack. (laughs) (laughs) Dare. (laughs) what is wrong with this show (laughs) till next time friends take good care bye Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.